So I want to know three <laughs> words to describe this experience because <laughs> it was wild. I had this like email from Carol Dash and I was like, that's weird. I don't have any friends named Carol. <gasps> oh my God, it's Carol Kay. <laughs> Two Canadians in a hit Broadway musical. Like, that's pretty crazy. Theater will never die. You can never put us yeah. down. You can never break us. We will keep rising. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we are still social distancing, so we are out of the car, but we do have a special guest in our virtual studio. You might know her from making her Broadway debut as Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar, the earth-moving Carol King in Beautiful, the Carol King musical, mesmerizing as Dina in the first national tour of the band's visit, or working behind the scenes as co-founder of Eclipse Theater Company here in Toronto. Please welcome Shalina Kennedy. Hello, Hi. so nice to be with you today. Hi. Thanks for being here. How's the social distancing? How's the quarantine been? Well, it's, it's not been too bad. I've got it, you know, we've got a few people in our bubble. Um, my son <laughs> and, you know, my parents are in there as well. We've got a few people, so it makes it a little more interesting. There's a few places to go. And, uh, you know, at first, when we first arrived, like we got here just... Um, uh, just before the border closed. So we mm. like rushed up from New York and, <laughs> and uh, tried to figure out what to do. And we wound up in Kingston because Henry's dad and his mom were there. And so we thought, okay, well, we'll just be here for a couple of weeks and we'll see what happens. And then a couple of weeks <laughs> turned into like three months. And now yeah. we're back in Stratford. So it's nice to be home, honestly. You know, it's, it's kind of nice to have the break, you know, despite all yeah. the, obviously the negative things and the, you know. Is this the longest, I guess, that you've been in Stratford other than performing in in Canada. This is definitely the longest that I've been, I mean, anywhere, not performing or not working, you know, like, and, and it's been, I guess when I was pregnant, I had a little uh, time, but even then I was still doing some concerts and things like that and working until I was about six months pregnant. So um, this does feel like a big, a big break. Um, and, and of course, you know, it's interesting because you can't, I'm noticing that people are having a hard time, myself included, like letting go and really, you know, enjoying because there's so much anxiety. So it's hard, like even when you do have time to really be able to sort of, you know, sit down and enjoy your gardening or whatever, because you're worried <laughs> yeah. about money or you're worried about getting sick or you're worried about your friends and your relatives or, you know, your friends back in the States. So it, right. yeah, there's, you know, it's a very interesting time we're going through. And then, you know, put art on top of that. And oh my gosh, <laughs> like what's our future, right? <laughs> you gotta yeah, stay positive. It's yeah, true. Yeah. a lot of emotions at the same time, you know? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, it's natural. Um, we were going to say we've seen you in a couple of shows, um, but as Canadians, we always feel a sense of pride when one of our own has international success. So watching you coming back here on tour or seeing you on Broadway has been like really excited to watch from home. Um, so we're really excited to be talking to you today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me, by the way. This is <laughs> no, it's so fun. We want to start with a question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what is your earliest memory of theater? Wow. Earliest memory of theater, I suppose, would probably be, um, well, I went to see Cats on Broadway when I was... I think I was probably 14 or 15 years old. Um, so it was the first like big musical that I'd seen. I'd seen like ballets and I'd seen, um, you know, other performances, but not really anything like on that scale, uh, on that level. So that was pretty incredible. Like the first time one of the cats, like we were in like the nosebleeds and sort of partial view seats. So I was like, this is amazing. And you know, one yeah. of the cats like walked by me and I was like, oh my God, there's one like right there. <laughs> so that was pretty formative. But I mean, I've been performing since I was four. I've been playing piano since I was four and dancing since I was four. So I did go to, to see a lot and especially ballet because I was such a, you know, uh, a little bunhead when I was growing up. 
And then, um, and then sh shortly after that, a couple of years after that, I saw Les Mis when it was on tour and it came to, um, came to Winnipeg. And so my parents and I, and my cousin, we all went and saw it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you recognize it in that moment, like, Oh, this is my path. This is where to go. You graduated from Sheridan college in 2000. Um, yes. We have had many Sheridan students uh, guests on this podcast and this next year is obviously going to look a little bit different for students because everything as of now is is going online. How would you keep inspired in this time? Well, I mean, that's a tricky thing, right? Like I, I'm asking myself that daily. Um, but, you know, people are incredibly creative and generous, I think, when push comes to shove. And I mean, listen, theaters never died. Like, despite yeah. all of the plagues, all of the diseases, all of the world wars, like, it's never gone away. So the COVID's not going to kill it. It's just, you know, we're going to be put on pause for a minute or a couple of years. Like, we don't know. And we just have to live in the present. And I think, if anything, I'm feeling inspired by this break. Because, I mean, for me, my philosophy is that Mother Earth is sort of like, you know, flexing her pinky, her pinky finger. And this is kind of an opportunity for us to, you know, with everything that's happening in the world, come up, uh, you know, come up with a, a better way, like in all ways. And especially in the arts, I think this is an opportunity for us to figure out, okay, which stories do we want to tell? Like, what are we wanting to say with our art? Like, what is the purpose of art? So I think we have this this great opportunity for a quiet reflection and for um, really asking ourselves the hard questions of what kind of theater needs to be made in the future and, and how we tell stories. Because We've gotten so bogged down with the details. Like we were having this big conversation last night. There's a bunch of women. We're all out together. This like mostly uh, moms, you know, sitting in the circle. And we were, you know, singing just because we wanted to sing, not because we we're getting paid to sing. And, you know, and talking about the future of what's going on. And one of the beautiful artists there, you know, she had just come off of a show and she's not getting paid very much. She's just doing it because she loves to do it. And they're not getting bogged down with the details of, you know, I mean, just all the things, you know, all of our, and they're wonderful. And I'm very grateful for all the unions and for all the rules and for all the regulations that go into making art. But, you know, at the, at the essence of what we do, all it takes is one performer and one audience member. Uh, it just takes, you know, basically two people to make art and that's all you need. You don't need anything else. Um, so I think if we get back to that very simple need to gather and to tell stories, then, you know, we still have theater. It's just in a different way. So, oh, sorry, long answer, <laughs> long answer. So my short answer is stay inspired because this is not going to die and, you know, find creative ways. Like we have to kind of get off our butts and get really um, mm -hmm. uh, engaged and try to figure out how we do this. And I think there's lots of ways to do it. We just have to be smart about it and, and, you know, and caring because we've got to take care of ourselves and everybody around us. Isn't, isn't that what we do best as artists, right? That's kind of like what we're born to do. So yeah, I feel very inspired by what's to come. I, I agree. I've been really touched by how um, we've, created smaller moments and celebrated them more exciting the way we've done birthdays or the way my friend's wedding coming up, how we're, it's definitely going to be smaller, but still trying to make it special and exciting. And it's kind of bringing it back down to the most important part of what it is, which is just a small celebration or just a small exchange of art. And so I, I agree. I definitely agree with what you're saying. Well, that's, that's another beautiful thing too, right? Is it becomes about the thing itself. It becomes mm -hmm. about the piece or about the person that you're celebrating or about the, the work. It is all about the work that's being done instead of like, Oh, look, how many people I've got coming to sing or look how great my it's the yeah this is the 
this is the single most unifying experience I've ever had. Like everyone is finally on the same level and it doesn't really matter how much money you have or what your status is. Like everybody is kind of like, it's the greatest leveler I've ever experienced, you know? And I mean, obviously there are still, you know, big, you know, gaps between the wealthy and the poor and the people who are able to do this comfortably and not. But, you know, in terms of the artists, like none of us are working. So yeah. I think that there's much more support for our community from the community, you know, happening. Like we're all kind of looking up after each other. And that is, um, that's wonderful to see. Well, jumping off, let's dive in to your career a bit. Um, sure. you, like, let's go. <laughs> you, you did a few scenes at Stratford and they're known for putting together a really amazing company of actors. What is it like collaborating with people that you've been able to work with year after year and build that professional artistic relationship with? We know like uh, Paul Nolan and Josh Young were in Jesus Christ Superstar and you've done shows with them previously at Stratford. How is it to build that continued relationship? It's wonderful. I mean, I think the one thing that it's not the only thing, but one of the things that always sticks out for me in terms of how Canada does things is we are based on, a, you know, on festivals, right? Like on in mm -hmm. ensembles. And so yeah. the way that I grew up and the way that many people kind of got to be um, professionals in the business is, is working in ensembles. And some years you play bigger roles and other years, you know, you understudy or, you know, it's you, there's a balance. And there's also this, whether it's official or not, this wonderful mentorship that happens with the older you know, members of the company. And so I think it's a great way to transition people into the business. Um, and I loved working at the festivals. I worked for three years at Shaw and for um, three years at Stratford and also a couple seasons at Charlottetown. And all those places foster the sense of, you know, family and community. Um, and, you know, you know, back when I was working at, at Charlottetown, there was still the, you know, fostering new Canadian works, which was also exciting. And um, so I, I really, I enjoyed it. I think I, there's no way, I mean, the reason that I, I think that I am able to do what I do now is because of the lessons that I was taught, especially at Shaw and Stratford, like the, the humility uh, that it takes to be a part of a greater thing, you know, that, it's not just about you and your career and your ego and the size of part you're playing. It's about the whole and what you're learning and the classes you're taking and, you know, supporting other people in their uh, mm -hmm. journeys as well. So I think it's great. Well, some of those people that you got to work with were in the show Jesus Christ Superstar, which obviously we yes. have to talk about. Should I bring him down? Should I scream and shout? Should I speak of love? Let my an interview that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice came to Stratford. What sure was that like? <laughs> that was amazing. And it's so funny too, because, you know, we were doing Jesus Christ Superstar. Josh and I were also doing the Grapes of Wrath at the same time. I'm like, who gets to do that? Like, that's amazing. I, it was yeah. one of my favorite seasons of all time. Mm -hmm. So we were playing um, uh, Boyfriend and Girlfriend in that. And then we were playing like Judas and Mary in the other one. And uh, and we'd done the same thing in the previous year with Evita and Kiss Me Kate. So Josh and I had this like, Wonderful. You know, and same thing with Paul and I. We've been through mm. the seasons together. Yeah. And you get to see the, all these different sides of people and how they work, and that affects, you know, the way that you work. And so the night that, um, oh my gosh, the night that they came was extraordinary. That was, it was pretty, pretty epic. I mean, you always know that something big is happening when Des <laughs> is the artistic director and then is like directing your show, right? Because he always kind of has this magic that follows him. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
yeah, so I think, I mean, I was definitely, you know, pretty nervous. <laughs> we had a lot of people come and see us and, you know, because there was a lot of rumors about us going to Broadway and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I think when they showed up, we were all pretty, we were all pretty excited. And we just wanted to know that they liked it because we, you know, obviously they've seen, you know, 12,000 productions of Jesus Christ Superstar. So, yeah, for sure. you know, it's a lot of pressure, um, you know, whether it moves on or not, just for them to witness the work. It's like, oh God, what did you think of that? And they were very, very supportive. And, and did, then I think Des did something very unique with it. So I think that was something we we're all very proud of as well. Did you know they were in the audience before the show started or was it a surprise I, after? No, I, well, did, did we know that? I don't think we did. I think wow. it was actually. I think someone it was a, stopped them. I think it was like there's always like these rumblings, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, oh, special being here, and then people are like, I hope you're on your best, you know, best yeah. foot forward tonight. And you're like, well, what do you mean? Who's out there? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, just yeah, <laughs> Lord Webber. But it, you know, and everyone is inside. I mean, especially with those two. I mean, you know, what do you say? Like. Hi, I'm a fan of your work. Like, there's yeah, not too exactly. much small talk. Like, <laughs> they're sort of stared open mouthed at them and waited for them to say something. You know, it's yeah. like having the queen and the king was <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same. The same. So this production went from Stratford to La Jolla, and then obviously it transferred to Broadway. What went through your mind when you guys heard that you were going to Broadway? Oh man, it was. I mean, there were rumblings of it, like I said. So there was these rumors, but then, I mean, the wonderful thing about. Um, you know, Judy Richardson, who was, uh, you know, producing and Des, and everybody who worked on it is, we all kind of assumed, oh, well, maybe they'll take, you know, two or three people, or maybe one person, or maybe they'll be, maybe we'll be lucky and like five people will go. Right. And then they'll cast the rest of the people from New York, which is almost always what happens. Um, and so when I found out, first of all, that Des had, you know, tried to get all of us to go, I just thought, oh God, how generous, like, how, mm -hmm. when do you ever get that? Mm -hmm. Never. And then when I found, when we all found out that he was actually successful, you know, like, so there are two stages. It was like, the first one was like, oh, we're going. And everyone was like, woohoo, we're going, but who's going? So like, yeah, we're excited that the show's going, but like, we're probably all going to get cut. So yay. Yeah. And then there was a second level of like, well, the good news is that not only are we going, but you are all coming with us. And so I think we were just like, oh my God, oh. Yeah. this is like most people's Broadway debuts. And, and then the fear of like, oh God, what's it going to be like? And are we going to be accepted there? And are they going to be nice to us? And you know, all of the things you know and how are the families going to travel and uh, but they worked mm -hmm. it all out it was brilliant and the community was so so receptive and very very welcoming it's nice too that you had that family like foundation already built with your cast and then you didn't have to rebuild with other people it was already there yes that's true and you know and something that can happen i think that i mean maybe we're all aware of or, or i don't know if we are but I certainly wasn't uh, aware of this going in, but I think things happen to people when there's like a larger kind of playing field and bigger stakes and like awards, like Tony season and stuff that mm. can have an effect on that kind of family unit because, you know, the individuals in there get so involved and like, I'm getting a publicist now and I'm getting this and my career and my awards and this and that. And so I think it can like take you away, yeah. but if you have a solid foundation and some pretty great trust and friendships in there and you're all taking care of each other, then, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just a softer place to land, you know, if there is success or if there is failure, you know, whatever failure is, or if you feel disappointed that you didn't get something. So we really did have a lovely, a lovely group. Yeah, you went with a bunch of friends already. You didn't have to meet all these new people. <laughs> yeah, and people were sincerely happy for each other. Like, you know, when yeah, that's there was, great. you know, extra amount of success that was, you know, because it's hard when you're in a tight group and then somebody gets, you know, singled out for like 
this award or this right. particular thing that can really drive a wedge between people. But I think mm -hmm. everyone was pretty great. Um, when I told my friend Alessandra we were having you on today, she was so excited. She saw you at Stratford in Jesus Christ Superstar and from then talked about your performance in that show and we saw you together in Beautiful. So she has a question that she has sent me. Oh, so, so, <laughs> so her question is, how did the Canadian theatre industry support you and prepare you for Broadway? Hmm, that's a great question. I don't know that I could have ever really been prepared for Broadway, to be honest with you. I didn't really know what that was or what that meant or like, what the, you know, I always thought, well, the work is the work. It doesn't matter where you mm. do it, you know. Uh, and I still, to you know, to a certain extent, believe that. Um, but I think what, I mean, and the thing that I'm still noticing, especially being the artistic producer of Eclipse, is that um, what what the American um, community and scene tends to really gravitate towards is this sense of ensemble that we have in Canada, this sense of kind of like, you know, working together to create the thing, that the thing, the piece, the work is always kind of at the forefront. And um, mm -hmm. because there's so much more of a star, a star system in the U.S. Um, that we just work differently. We're, we're educated differently. We're brought into the business in a different way. I mean, like I was talking about with the ensembles and the festivals, that's kind of like our go-to and our bread and butter here. It's what theater's founded on in this country. So I think that Americans really respond to that. Uh, and especially in New York, it's almost like, People are like, oh wow, there's you know, Canadians always are like, what do we what do we do with you? You're a different animal. <laughs> and so I think I think there's there's a place for us, and also because of Come From Away and Jazzy Chaperone, like they're there's they're hungry for Canadian work and Canadian stories and Canadian artists. Yeah, we do have a different sort of flavor to us than, you know, um, so I guess the the best preparation I had was just to focus on the work uh, is the short answer, just to not make it about anything else and go out there and, you know, do your best, just do the work. <laughs> that, that is kind of funny. That's something I noticed. We were at Stratford last summer and, you know, you see the matinee of one musical and then the evening of the other musical. And in the matinee, some people are in the ensemble and then in the evening, they're the lead of that show. So yeah. it is like you cannot have an ego when you are switching back and forth so readily and you have to be able to disappear into the background and then step into the front. And I think that is something very interesting that I'm sure you would bring to New York to be able to mm -hmm. flip so seamlessly between. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm being really honest, you know, like my first couple Couple years at Shaw, I definitely had more like ambition and ego about, oh, I wish I was doing this or I wish I was doing that. And I learned some hard lessons that year, you know, like it was, it was really good for me. I wouldn't, there's no, I don't think that there's any way I would have been as successful if I hadn't had that humble pie and that, you know, no, you must pay your dues and you, you can't just jump ahead to do all you know you have to there's senior members of the company who've been doing this a lot longer than you have shalina so i mean not that that yeah. was said to me but that was mm -hmm. the lesson and that's i think it's important for everybody to learn that that mm -hmm. there's a humility in in um you know taking the steps and not just shooting right there right away um uh, because you miss things along the way if you if you don't let's talk about your time with beautiful the carol king musical <laughs> How did this begin for you back in 2015? Well, um, actually, this is an interesting story. So I was, I was kind of in the mix with it from the beginning. 
Mm. And I had this series of like bad luck disappointments, which I won't get into, but like <laughs> I, was, I was doing Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder at the time out in California. And I, you know, uh, flew or put myself on tape for the very first uh, workshop. And then I, they flew me out because um, it was like between me and one other person. And I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, because I'd flown all the way out there, done the audition and I didn't get it. So I was like, okay, well, that's all right. But I really connected to the material. And so then uh, they didn't go with this girl for the next one. And so they were like, oh, Shalina, we want to see you again. We think you might be the choice. And I was like, oh, well, that feels great. So mm-hmm. then I kept putting myself on tape and blah, blah, blah. And then we got to the point because I kept doing gentleman's guides, so I couldn't go in and we were all, you know, di- different schedules, different countries. And then um, we ended up, oh, they ended up bringing me to the, uh, the very final audition and um, and I couldn't do it because I was doing Evangeline at the time. So not only, so it was like the very final callback. It's like between me and Jesse and maybe like one other person. And the producers were gonna fly me down there and it's for Carol King herself. And I was like, oh my God, this is probably like the role of a lifetime. And, uh, and I couldn't go because I was, you know, I it just, I would have had to have left, you know, Evangeline halfway through the run and, and kind of abandoned like that whole project, which didn't feel right. And it would have felt mm-hmm. like I was really, you know, burning a bridge. So that was, you know, it was disappointing to me not to be able to have that shot to go, you know, could I have booked that job? Could I have been the one to have won the Tony award? But that's the beautiful thing is that you never know. Right. And so you had, yeah. but what I did do, which I never do with any projects is I kept all of my sides and all the music <laughs> and I tucked them away in this little secret compartment. I'm like, maybe it'll come back. Later. <laughs> Who knows? And I was like, after I was done crying, I went and I did it. And I loved Evangeline. It was a beautiful show. And then I, we ended up doing like the album and it was a gorgeous piece to work on. I was very grateful for it. Um, and then, you know, later on when I was pregnant, they called me and they were like, uh, they want you to replace Jesse. And I was like, don't you tell me this if they're not serious because I've had my heart broken. Like, I don't yeah. know if I can best again, you know, it's been such a long ride with the show. And um, anyway, so I flew down. I was almost like, I think I was eight months pregnant. And wow. they were all worried about, oh, I don't know if the producers will be able to see past the pregnant belly. And I was like, give me a break. Carol's had like four kids, you know, yeah. no one's going to care. So I went down, did the audition. And uh, I mean, it wasn't the audition because the, they selected me, but Carol had to give her a sign off. So they were like coaching me, putting me on tape for Carol to give her okay. approval. So it was all depending on like where, whether Carol liked me or not. So I flew home, immediately went into early labor because I'd been flying <laughs> wow. on an airplane. <laughs> Like right so I was walking down the, the street to like celebrate at a restaurant. I was like, oh, like all of a sudden, like labor, and I had no idea why. Uh, I didn't even know what was happening. But anyway, and then it stopped. But then on Monday morning, I get this call from my agent, who's like, um, he said, uh, oh, uh, I, I, oh no. First of all, I said, oh my god, are you calling about the the show? And he's like, no, honey, I'm so sorry, I'm not calling about that. I'm calling about something else. And I was like, okay, but what what are you calling about? And he said, oh, I yeah. wanted to know if you could get me a couple of tickets. And I was like, what do you want tickets for? And he's like, for your opening night on Broadway, you got the job. And I was like, oh my god. So that was beautiful. But then also like the pressure of taking over for Jesse right after I'd had a baby, and I, you know, like it was a lot. It was a lot, but it was mm-hmm. incredible. Like that. I, I would say that that show was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. If not like the top or this, you know, this, my second favorite thing I've ever done. It was amazing. I did t- over 1200 performances and I got to do the Kennedy center honors and sing with Aretha Franklin and James Taylor and Janelle wow. Monet and Sarah Bareilles. Like all my dreams come true. It was just like amazing. And, you know, and meet Carol and sing with her. That's something we were, we were interested in. We had Jake Epstein on um, a couple months ago and we were talking oh, to him. Welcome. I know he's, 
wonderful. And we were talking yeah. about meeting Carol, meeting Jerry, and like kind of the relationship with that. Like what what was the relationship with Carol? Did she give you any advice or what was her relationship with the show when you were doing it? Well, it was it was interesting because she tried to kill the show originally. She hated the idea of the show, but then she like came around because you know she, I guess you know her daughter um, convinced her that it was a good idea, and she gave it a second. But I mean, can you imagine having your whole life yeah. on stage? That would be so all your intense. dirty laundry, oh, everything. Man. Yeah, but she was incredible. Like, if you think she's generous and down to earth, she's better than everyone's idea of her. Like, she's even cooler in real life than she is like in people's minds. So she'd emailed me. Uh, I like looked in my inbox like as I was doing the show and I had this like email from Carol Dash. And I was like, that's weird. I don't have any friends named Carol. <gasps> oh my God, it's Carol King. You know, she's like, hey, I hear you're great. The show, I'm going to come see you. Do you want to know when I'm coming? And I was like, dear Miss King, please do not tell me when you're coming because I will have a heart attack. <laughs> so then the joke became that like anytime there's a stir in the audience, everyone was like, it's Carol. <laughs> but anyway, then she did surprise us and she came in with like um, a wig, uh, mm. you know, and glasses and she's like surprise it's me and then you know she, she it's funny because the first the first time I met her when she did the whole thing it was like the whole cast and the producers and everybody and and then I got so nervous because of course then she's on display and like did she like the show did she like my performance like oh my god and at first she didn't make eye contact with me she went around and she said like to everybody like how great it was or whatever and then and I thought oh god she hated my performance she didn't like what I did and then she looked right at me and she started to cry and then we just hugged each other and she was so sweet and so generous and she she loved everything about the show which was a relief because you know it's, mm -hmm. it's like big shoes to fill right <laughs> yeah um and then she she was sweet she you know we continued to work together and uh uh we did the today show together mm -hmm. and she came by a few times she used my dressing room you know she came out on stage and we performed uh the finale one time together you know for uh, an anniversary and she was just incredible like we talked at length you know in the hallway about lots of private things you know <laughs> about our personal relationships and about jerry like she wears um Jerry's ashes around her neck oh, wow. and so you know that was sweet but we just she was great she's very open told us a lot of stories about her and Jerry and how they wrote music and she's very candid you know she's like an open book she's great I read her book and I asked her about <laughs> some things and I told her how brave I thought she was I'm like she probably heard that from a million people but <laughs> add me to the list <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then at the Kennedy Center Honors it was pretty incredible like it was just great to see her reaction and get a chance to talk to her. And one of the most moving parts of the whole thing really was meeting her daughters and specifically mm -hmm. Louise. I really connected with uh, Louise. She's just this really vulnerable, sweet, you know, gorgeous songwriter uh, who looks and sounds just like her mom. And I think because I'm playing her mom and I hold her in the show and I developed such an imaginary relationship with who I thought Louise was mm -hmm. that when I actually met her, I was like, Oh God, I just teared yeah. up. Like I was so like this strange cause we're kind of similar ages, but mm -hmm. I spent so much mom. time thinking of her as my daughter. Come here. Yeah, I loved her. I love all of them. They're great. And her grandson played in the pit for the show too, so I oh, got wow. to hang out with him like, all the time. Yeah, he's amazing. That's so much fun. You know, Carol is someone with a really distinct voice. Mm -hmm. Um, how, like, did you have to work on the voice, or were you trying to, let's say, not do exactly what her voice sounds like to try and stay away from an impression? What was the process with getting her voice? 
Yeah, that's a really great question because it was always right up until the last show. I swear to God, it not it didn't get easier over the twelve hundred performances. I had to constantly work at it uh, because I didn't want to be a Saturday Night Live impression, but I also right. wanted to embody her. Like I didn't want to just do Shalina singing Carol King songs because I I don't you know I just think mm -hmm. it's more interesting to actually become her. Um, and then it's a matter of you just selecting like the certain quality that feels right in my body that sounds as much like her. She has very particular phrasing, you know, she has particular things that she does um, with her voice. And so I just try to, to adopt those things and then allow it to move through me um, as naturally as possible. So it's tough. It's a tough balance. Sometimes I was like, that didn't sound like her at all. What are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. And then that? the other night, wait a minute. No, that's too much. Back off. Uh, so as we said, we did get a chance to talk to Jake Epstein about his time in Beautiful as well. And he was telling us how much that this cast felt like such a family. And something that is so amazing to us is that you guys got a chance to do the show together. And two Canadians in a hit Broadway musical like, that's pretty crazy. Oh, and it was so nice to do it with him because he was the original Jerry and he'd had mm -hmm. so many lovely conversations with Jerry and just really had an idea of what, I mean, everybody had great ideas about what the show was, but there was something special about doing it with him. I, I love him. I think he's just a great collaborator, a great stage, you know, um, scene partner. He's fantastic. And of course, the Canadian aspect too. Is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. And we actually went to see Come From Away for the first time together. And oh, really? The joke was we didn't know we hadn't listened to the album. We didn't know anything about the show. They were still in previews. And so we imagined, we like came up with what we thought the score was. And so we like made up the opening number for Come From Away and what we thought it was. And so he would come to my dressing room every night, knock on the door, and we'd be like, Come From Away! Come From Away! And Not that far off. Like, and then we went to see we're like, hey! That was kind of similar. But we loved it. It was great. Like being two Canadians like in a Broadway show, going to see Come yeah. From Away, we're like, this is amazing. It's life. That's like a whole homecoming <laughs> right in New York City. That's amazing. So proud. Yeah. Yeah. But then we did get to see you do it here in Toronto. You came and did the tour. Did you do the tour anywhere else or did you just do it here in Toronto? I just, well, I did it. Uh, oh, did I do it anywhere else? <laughs> I might have previewed elsewhere. God, I can't remember. It all blends okay, together. It doesn't matter. Funny. It was almost entirely in Toronto. I don't okay, think, Toronto. I think I may have rehearsed elsewhere and then just mm. opened in Toronto. So that's where we got to see you do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I know those, those songs and like specifically the Tapestry album, that was an album that my mom grew up a lot listening to. And just thinking about the audience in, in that theater, listening to those songs that they grew up with and singing along, like what is the audience reaction here in Toronto or in New York and what is the difference or what is the comparison? Well, I gotta tell you, I have never <laughs> experienced the same show being so different in two different places. The really? tour and Broadway is like a different animal. So every time I would go from Broadway to the tour, I'd be like, oh my God, what about, I thought I knew this show. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> also, the set is different. Like their, their, their attack is different. The way that it's directed is different because it's like bigger houses, you know, you're traveling right. with it. And so, and especially the second time I did the tour, the, like the piano was not um, motorized anymore. So there's like all this different blocking and I'd have to like flick switches. One time <laughs> I forgot, you know what I mean? Somebody else had to do it. And I was like, sorry, you know, I'm running on stage. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's certain parts that are very different. Um, and, and the reactions also are quite different, you know, because like in New York, it's much smaller houses as well. Mm -hmm. Like I think we did it the first time in the Ed Mervish and the second time Princess of Wales. Am I crazy? Is that right? I think you're right. Anyway, I think you're right. Um, but the, you know, in, in, when you say the, like, I'm from Brooklyn line at the beginning of the show, everybody, woo! 
you know, and yeah. sometimes we would get these like battling responses in New York where I say, but you know, I, I've been living in California, like California's great, you know, <laughs> and then in Canada, they're like, mm-hmm. okay, that's lovely, you know, lovely, like that's something they usually don't applaud, yeah. um, you know, but it's just a different, it's just a different, like we're much more British also in our reactions, but people loved it. Like it, it's, it's, it's a great lesson and you can't judge the audience by how loud they are during the performance. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't mean that they don't love it just as much. It's just a different kind of reaction. And then at the end there's hooping and hollering and everybody sings along no matter where you're from, if it's yeah. New York or they're all on their feet at the end singing and they all cry in the same places and they all applaud Carol when she leaves Jerry at the door. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Just all, we did that. Yeah. yeah, we did. <laughs> I, I remember when Jerry came out at the end to uh, kind of apologize at Carnegie Hall and our audience booed and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Sometimes you get people or we actually had somebody in the audience and this is so typical New York too. Someone actually went, F you, Jerry, oh, like wow. out loud. And I was like, ooh. Everybody, easy, easy. It's just an actor. It's just an actor. Or like the poor actor too, when they come out, like, and that must wear on you. They're telling you Mm. for the bows. They're like, we hate you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it tells you that you did a good job too, if that's the the reaction. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's funny. What is your favorite Carol song? Oh, that's a good question. I would say probably Natural Woman. Before the day I met you, life was so just because of the message you know especially today like I like I love that I love the message of that song I love everything about it I also love a couple songs that are not in the show like Smackwater Jack is one of my favorites and um, Yours Until Tomorrow is also a great one um, and I also love Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. And what I didn't know uh, until I read the book was that uh, James Taylor and Joni Mitchell, two of my other favorite artists, sing backup on that song. For oh, wow. Her. So oh, wow. all the Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow are those two. And they were dating at the time. And then what the great thing about that p- period of history, right, is that music was being made. It was a very ensemble, like, we mentality thing going on. It was less about, like, the individual and the ego of it all. And they were, like, trading sounds and songs and playing on each other's albums. So James James and Joni would be singing back up for Carol and Joni was recording her album like next door and then James was recording his album down the street so when they were done Carol session they would all run over and Carol would play piano on James's album so they were all collaborating and helping each other out at that time together wow. and then touring together it was so sweet yeah That's so funny. you you mentioned that you played over 1200 performances as Carol mm-hmm. um between Broadway and here. And that is a huge accomplishment. And we wonder, how do you keep that role fresh? A thousand shows is a lot of shows. And I imagine that sometimes (laughs) it's just difficult to change it up all the time. But was there something that made you like fall more in love with that character more and more as you did it? I felt, to be honest with you, I fell in love with her and the show and Jerry more and more every single day that it like every day it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And every time I was away from the show, like they would let me have these breaks and go away and do like the St. No Disco or A Sign of the Times and then come back to it. 
So sometimes when I had a chance to go off and do something else, I'd be like, wow, that's right. It's like an old friend. You're putting on like all the costumes feel like an old friend. The relationships feel comfortable. And, and it's really an exercise in listening. It's really just about listening, right? Acting is simply being present, listening, and reacting. And mm-hmm. so if I just did that every night and just, you know, Carol has this beautiful passage in her book that talks about um, treating the, the audience like they're in her living room and having this very direct, like no matter how large it is, giving them a very direct, like as if they're a bunch of old friends who have come over for coffee and she's just doing the living room concert. Um, so that's sort of my job, right? It's just to get out of my own head and to stop worrying about the results or trying to do what I did yesterday and just be present and listen and, um, and allow the thing to grow and to shift naturally the way any living organism does, right? Like we were never expected to be this cookie cutter version of the show, which I always right. appreciated. And so I, and I liken it a little bit to a yoga practice. So if it, have you guys practiced like Bikram or anything like that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you like you've got this series of poses that you do over and over and over again, but you come to the mat every day as a different person, different breath, different experiences, your different moment before, right? You come in with different feelings or your voice is in a different place or your body feels different. But if you just connect to that and you, do your practice. And I feel like the show became a practice for me. Um, then you're present. You don't have to worry about it. And it doesn't matter how many shows you do because you're literally just like in the ever present of listening. What was it like to say goodbye? Well, uh, in a way, I feel like I was given a bit of a gift because I didn't know that the show was going to close. Like we, there had been rumblings that mm-hmm. yeah, Beautiful was going to close. But every time I left, it was sad. Anytime I left any of the companies, even if I knew I was going back, it was sad. Um, but then that final goodbye, I knew I was coming back after the band's visit because I'd only signed on for six months and then it, the plan was to go back to beautiful. Um, but then it closed, of course, when I was away. But in a way, it was sweet because I didn't have to kind of go through all that pain of reliving it every day on stage. You know, like, oh, it's the second last performance. We're never going to do this again. And being precious about your shoes and about the way that you tie up your dress. And, <laughs> you know, like I was spared those like agonizing uh, things that I'd already been through like five times, you know, in other versions of leaving. Um, but I was there for the final performance and I did get to go oh, up wow. with Jared Spector, who was one of the, you know, the original, mm-hmm. he was the original Barry. Yeah. He had the Tony nomination as well that year. And so the two of us got to, you know, sing I felt the earth move <laughs> and have the final party. And it was lovely. Moving on to the band's visit, which is also something that we most recently saw you in. Um, firstly, we want to say a big congratulations because you won best performance in a musical at the 2020 Toronto Theatre Critics Awards for your portrayal of Dina. This show, I saw it on Broadway and I saw it here. It's beautiful, the music, the characters. Tell us about playing Dina. Well, I mean, again, I felt like, oh God, big shoes to fill. Like, why do I keep following these Tony Award winning actresses? (laughs) (laughs) And then bring in Shalina. That's Um, a compliment to you, I think, that you can build on I mean, yes, it it feels like one. It also feels like, oh gosh, my Lord, that's a lot of pressure. But it was wonderful because I respect all of these women so much, you know, specifically Jesse and Katrina. I think they're both astounding. And I think what Katrina did with that role is is amazing. So it was just, you know, for, for me, it was just about finding a way that that lived in my body and how I would respond to it. Um, so I thought it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had, you know, and also it, interesting because that show is very polarizing. People either love it or, or hate it, you know. <laughs> so we get a lot of, you know, 
people at the end, you know, um, in tears and at the stage door going, oh my gosh, that changed my life. And the people who are like, I didn't get it. And nothing happened. It's like, well, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> they warned but you. you have to sort of be, yeah, yeah. And you have to be kind of ready for it. But uh, it's some of the most beautiful music that I've ever, you know, ever had the pleasure of, you know, diving into. Because you don't even, you don't just sing that music, you're a part of it. Um, Kultum and Omar Shari came floating on a jasmine wing from the west from the south honey in my ears spice in my mouth the people mm. on stage who are playing you know are part of the fabric of the show like everybody's so interwoven and we got a chance to build the thing over again i mean if, you know if you saw it on broadway the touring production was quite different from that we'd added yeah. in some new stuff and they'd allowed us to reblock some things and working with sasson uh was phenomenal he'd done the movie so he originated that role in the film and also on broadway um or no he didn't originate it sorry he took it over from tony shalhoub tony, um, yeah but he was, he was amazing. Just, I learned so much from him every day, really from everybody in the show. I, I loved it. I, you know, we had like Shabbat every Saturday <laughs> and there's so many cultures coming together, people from all over the world, you know, French, yeah. like all over the Middle East and, you know, Canada and the U.S. And just felt great, you know, a mixture of like religions to, you know, everybody's celebrating each other's, you know, background. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. And then music, right? Like, I mean, I haven't sung that way since Lord of the Rings. I remember, like, <laughs> accessing tones in my voice. I was like, where did that come from? I haven't felt that since, you know, 2003. Yeah. Lord of the Rings will come up later. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, even we we had talked about with the band's visit specifically, like the lyrics are great, but the instrumental of some of those songs is so stunning. And Steph, I know I can speak for you in saying that one of our favorite parts in the band's visit is when the band just goes at the yes. end. Yes. It's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Oh my gosh, me too. It was... Honestly, I think that the band is the star of that show. I think it's really, <laughs> like, the music is the star. And, and we would have these like impromptu concerts and we would, I, I remember like my son started learning um, the Darbuka, like he started taking Darbuka <laughs> lessons and he took a violin lesson, like from these world, you know, wow. like world renowned, like product, like all of these people are world-class musicians. It was such an honor to make music with them. I always felt like this untalented, crazy person being <laughs> with any of those musicians. <laughs> so I they, well, they, they, I mean, they taught me a lot and then when my son was with me for the tour you know there was this one night like I would have him sleep and then he would wake up at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and he would go out if there was something like big like Shabbat or like a performance or something and we would jam and he would pick up a drum and he would play wow. he's like five years old you know where he would go to I put earplugs in his ears and we would go and listen to these musicians play live you know in wow. these various what? locations and and you know he was so keen on like watching the drummer shy or watching the this brilliant violinist do his thing so I think we all learned a lot on that tour. What an incredible yeah. experience for him to get exposed yeah. to that so young. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I think that's why he's so obsessed with music now. <laughs> so all he wants to do is just play and learn every instrument, you know, imaginable. That's <laughs> amazing. So jumping off, you're the artistic director of Eclipse Theatre Company here in Toronto. How yes. did you start that? Why did you want to start a theatre company? 
Well, so technically I'm the artistic producer. So okay. Evan Tuchis is the artistic Sorry, that's director. my mistake. It's written down producer. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I, well, it's funny because that, that happens often. And uh, and so it, it's it's funny you should ask that because I, I originally didn't want to start a theater company. That was not my original intent. Uh, I had been a part of Theater 20 years ago, and I had wondered if there was a way to sort of, you know, come in and, and uh, find a way to keep that company going. And so... Eclipse is kind of like uh, uh, the thing that came out of, you know, uh, what was Theater 20. I mean, it's a brand new thing. It's obviously not Theater 20. It's something completely different. But mm -hmm. it sort of came out of an opportunity as opposed to me going to find it. Um, and, you know, I'd always sort of wanted to – I missed Canada. I mean, it's the short answer. I missed doing things here. I missed, you know, finding other ways to be uh, – of value and of service in, in my industry and in my country. And I'd spent so long, you know, doing things in the States. I just thought, well, maybe this is a good way for me to be involved. And because I was artistic producer, it meant that I didn't have to be, you know, um, necessarily living in Toronto full time or, you know, making all of the decisions for the company. I could sort of, right. you know, it's a very uh, flexible position. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I brought Evan on board very early on and the two of us thought, okay, well, I think we can do this. And we just start small and we build slowly. And, and if there, if there is a place for us in the community, then we'll succeed. And if there isn't, then we'll wrap it up and we'll say we tried. So mm -hmm. we're still here. <laughs> that feels good. Yeah. We, we saw uh, last year Ghost Quartet, which was in collaboration with Crow's Theater. We loved it. And oh, we so also <laughs> got to see this year Sunny in the Park with George right before everything <laughs> shut down. Oh, um, the timing. We're so lucky. Yes. yes. Like just a week later and you would have been yeah. uh, in trouble. Yeah. Uh, both of those shows are pretty site specific, which we've really enjoyed seeing site-specific theater over the last couple of years. Why is a more unique theatrical experience important to you? Well, I, I mean, I guess Evan really got me excited about it, to be honest with you. Like I'd seen some site-responsive or site-specific theater and I loved it, but I guess I didn't imagine making our, or having our company based in that, in that, um, in that principle. Um, but then when we started talking about how important the space was to the piece, um, mm -hmm. that's when I started getting really, you know, excited about what that, what could inspire us, you know, like for instance, like with the jail, uh, when, with Kiss of the Spider Woman, mm -hmm. when Evans started talking about, you know, the beauty of that jail and how that's actually almost a character in, in and of itself <clears throat> and that, that inspired Evan to want to do Kiss the Spider Woman. So we didn't have sort of something in mind and we were looking for the location. It's like we find these beautiful spaces that speak to us. We imagine stories happening in the space and then we come up with the idea to do that. So I just think it's a different way of approaching theater. And I like mm -hmm. too that it's it's not necessarily our whole mandate. We don't have to always mm -hmm. find you know site responsive locations, but so far we've just been excited about it. So we've been like, <laughs> that's all we want yeah. to do. Uh, but I think eventually, you know, we're all obviously going to do some some uh, theater in regular, you know, theater spaces as well. Yeah. That was actually something I was going to ask, like, did the jail or the show come first? And it turns out it was actually the venue and not the show. And that kind of inspired um, Kiss of the Spider Woman, the location, yeah. which is so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, this is something kind of interesting. We'd never seen Sunday in the Park with George before we saw the Eclipse Theater production of it. And I was wondering, how do you how do you program a season? How do you decide what shows are right for this year, for this moment? How do you come up with what you're going to do that year? Well, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think like, uh, I think that's changing. I mean, I think true. You know, it, used, it used to be based on, well, what what's going to sell? How are we going to make the most money? What are people going to mm -hmm. respond to? You know, or what are the, you know, 
what do people want to see? Um, and now it's become, what do we want to tell? What are the important stories? What, what, are, the, what are the messages we want to get across? What voices do we want to, you know, give a, make space for? Um, so I guess, you know, for Evan and I, and I don't want to speak for him, but I know that we agree <laughs> on this, that, you know, uh, Canadian stories feel important in this moment to tell and um and all canadian stories and you know yeah. how like canada is not just this one sort of you know like it's not just a, a homogenous group of people like there's so many people all over this you know all over this country and i was looking it up the other day and you know like in um in in certain places in Canada, there's, you know, between 25 and 90% indigenous population. So like the stories that are going to kind of come out of those places are going to be different than the stories that are coming out of Toronto, you know, where mm -hmm. and the stories that are coming out of Stratford that are coming out of, you know, BC, like, and so because we're a Toronto based theater company, I think what we're really looking at right now is, well, who's in Toronto and what are the stories that we're wanting to tell from the place of being in this specific place on earth? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's changing. And, um, and I just, you know, for me, the most important thing is finding stories that people are excited about and that move our society and our world forward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're working on uh, a show that I've written uh, with Eric Holmes, who's one of the writers on The Good Fight, and um, and uh, he was one of the writers on Smash. So we've written a show called Call It Love, which talks a lot about identity and, um, you know, the complications of having a you know a complicated identity and a complicated life and what that means for a mother or for you know uh, a marriage so we yeah. talk a lot about like we have a lot of hard conversations within that piece about marriage and about love and about motherhood and like what it all means and what's possible um and then you know we're working with so many other artists with uh, who are writing shows that are very you know um uncomfortable and and important and those are the kind of stories that i want to tell and i think that you know uh, Evan is very much in agreement. And also, you know, uh, we've just gotten a bunch of new artists on board as well who are, because we just had a big, you know, turnover at our AGM. And so we've, we've gotten some new, new people on board who are quite excited as well about other ideas. So it's all bubbling. So I mean, the question is, I don't know. You have to choose the things that are most exciting and that speak and that speak to you. And you can make it overly complicated with trying to please everybody. But I think as long as the people who are running the organization are, you know, coming from a place of integrity and and genuine passion, uh, I think that you're okay. Mm -hmm. We're living in a time where the return to live theater is still pretty unknown. And yes. as an artist, I'm sure it's incredibly difficult to even think about. But as someone who is basically co-running an independent theater company, how do you ensure that you stay on your feet? Would you guys look to doing things virtually? What are some of your plans? Yeah, I think we're going to look to however it could be done. You know, it's just like however, however is possible. Right. <laughs> so whether that means, you know, online or small groups, distanced, you know, it's, it's just we're looking into so many different options. And we're, you know, we're honestly, there's lots of people doing it out there right now. I mean, they're, yeah. they're doing lots of theater companies are doing a great job with this. So we're following their models. We're seeing what's working and going, OK, maybe that could work for us, too. And I think that there's nothing wrong in slowing down a little bit, going if we don't know that it's OK. I think sometimes humans are bad at saying, I don't know, or let's <laughs> take some time and figure it out. But I think that's where we are, too, just yeah. not having a knee jerk reaction to what's going on and just putting up a bunch of content just to stay in the game. I think, you know, it's important to take a pause and to go, how do we best move forward in a, in a you know, with integrity and with um, mindfulness, you know, so that we do know where we want to head and we're not just like 
splashing out a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think online and it's whatever is exciting. Like if people are like, ugh, we don't want to see any more online stuff, then we'll go, okay, you don't want to see it. Like, how's it, what's another way that we can bring this to people? And if we take a little pause while we figure it out, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you were talking about that you have a new, newer roster of some people on your uh, for Eclipse Theater. And one of those people is Vanessa Sears, who we just had <laughs> the opportunity to speak to very recently. So you yes. worked on a project with her, Birth of a Song. Uh, this, yes, I love her so much. <laughs> the song is titled Who I Forgot to Be, and it's written uh-huh. by Andrew Seahawk. That song is beautiful. It's very orchestral. Everything changes and all that remains is all that was, was me. bought it very recently <laughs> so you. i have donated to eclipse theater where can people listen to the song buy the song and how was it working with vanessa because we also love chatting with her she mm-hmm. is awesome and also andrew just joined our roster right she's nice. an associate artist as well so um yeah he's pretty fantastic and i've known of his work for years but i never actually got a chance to work with him like i think i've known him literally of him he was my uh a very good friend of mine who's his vocal teacher for like a decade and so I've known him for like 20 years, but never actually worked with him. But I've heard how incredible he is. And just recently, I just thought, oh, my gosh, we have to get you. Like, if we can nab you, we'll be yeah. so lucky. Um, anyway, so, if yeah, if people go to our website, eclipsetheater.ca, uh, um, you can hear, uh, you know, a little teaser. And then you can buy the song or you can buy the song and the video. And there's also a little package that includes some behind-the-scenes um features and so you get a tax receipt as well if you make the larger donation so (laughs) thank you for asking (laughs) it's beautiful the song is really beautiful you both sound amazing on it well andrew does beautiful work his writing is incredible and he's working on lots of very cool projects so stay tuned for anything coming from andrew seahawk he's amazing (laughs) (laughs) and the money goes to both eclipse theater and a portion to black lives matter global right just want to just want to make sure everyone knows. Yes. Thank you for saying that. No yeah. problem. No problem. So we have a quick little rapid fire for you. We are calling this section personality test drive. Our first question for you, your favorite road trip cast recording. Oh, road trip cast recording. Jesus Christ Superstar, the like brown album. <laughs> I'm so cheesy. I mean, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. You, are, you know the song, so you can like yeah. really help it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also oh. love singing like the Judas part, like always That's like, true. the worst part for me, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what is your miscast? <gasps> miscast. Oh my God. This is, I'm so bad at these things. Okay. Miscast. So is this like, are we, am I supposed to play like a, a male part? Gender swapping. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gender swapping. Okay. So I'm playing maybe Daddy Warbucks. Oh, okay. wow. That's right? a great that would one. be so weird and like, like totally opposite. I mean, yeah, I, know, I, I, I love that. It. You can nail it. That's the first thing that came to mind. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, national tour or sit-down production? Oh, man. Okay, well, sit-down for practicalities and tour for fun. <laughs> That's great. Good answer. If you were to step into a theater tomorrow, which of your past roles could you still perform? <gasps> I want to do Evita. I desperately want to do Evita again. <laughs> a movie you turn into a musical. Oh, boy. Okay, well, maybe, okay, this is awful, and this is probably very inflammatory, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Tiger King, but making it like a ve- like an animal rights, like all the donations go to, and we have an educational okay. like component to it, and people can get like educated, and also like we see yeah. that as a musical. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's great. <laughs> 
Because I'm all about like saving the animals. Okay. Uh, doing theater in Toronto or in New York? Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> that is super tough. I think both for different reasons. Oh God, okay. that's a, I can't I can't decide. They're that's both fair. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a visual aid for this next one. Um, okay. It is the Lord <gasps> of the Rings program for our listeners at home. I <laughs> saw this when I was 12 on a school trip in like the nosebleeds. So I want to know three <laughs> words to describe this experience because <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> okay, the first one is thrilling. Okay. The second one is long. Yeah, that's one of my the words third, also. <laughs> oh God. And the third one is... Um, obsessive because we were all like obsessed with each other and the show and that's all we talked about and everyone was like okay stop like talk about anything other than lord of the rings we're just like lived and breathed lord of the rings and like everything Amazing. <laughs> um favorite show that you've never seen Ooh, favorite show that i've never seen my god i'm ashamed to say that i have not seen i am my, my own wife and i have not seen um natasha pierre and the great comet we haven't so either. I would, yeah, there's so many shows that I wish I know, I'd everyone. see. I also didn't see, <laughs> yeah. like, the original Fun Home, like, I feel like, or something. Mm. I mean, it was there, and I was like, oh, I'll say it. Oh, also, <laughs> I mean, I'm now I'm giving you all my secrets. I also haven't seen, if you can believe it, The Book of Mormon. I'm so ashamed. Oh, I've never no. seen it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. We've seen it too many times, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the shows I've seen like eight trillion times and I'm like, God, I would love to. And also when you have a kid too, like I'm all, like, I've been to see Lion King now twice on Broadway and you know, I've, he's seen Frozen twice. I've seen it once. So, you know, yeah. I would love to be able to go see some of the other shows that I'd like to see as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, song from a show you were in that you didn't get to sing. Ooh, ooh, High Flying Adored. It's one of my favorite songs. Okay. Heaven on Their Minds, Another Suitcase in Another Hall, so many. Mm. <laughs> That's great. Great one. Uh, favorite costume? I would say probably the big white ball gown from Evita. Or I have to say, like, the best I've ever felt was when I did Kiss Me Kate. And I was wearing, like, a little lingerie, you know, in Tudor <laughs> nice. I was, like, in my best shape of my life. And I was dancing <laughs> for, like, you know, in my stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. My yeah. It was, like, awesome. not very much costume, but it was, I felt really <laughs> nice and sexy. Everyone was great. <laughs> Your future dream collaboration? Well, I mean, without sounding like... I'm an egomaniacal person. I mean, obviously the show I'm working on, I would love to see it, you know, do all the things I want it to do and have a full production. So call it love, obviously. And then there's a, there's a million other ones. I mean, honestly, there's too many to, uh, there's too many to name. I've always wanted to play Guinevere in Camelot. And I've got this idea of a very specific Camelot I want to do. <laughs> that's a bit more like, I don't know, it feels like we're taking it completely in a different direction and maybe wow. a site specific location that I've been thinking about for years. So nice. there's that, that wow. project I would love to do. And it's funny because I've directed a production of Camelot and I've been in the ensemble of Camelot and I've never played Guinevere. So I would always <laughs> one day something like that <laughs> to the universe. Character that you've played that's most like you. I don't know. Every time I answer this, people are like, what? Like I would say there are parts of Carol that I feel are very much like me and other people disagree wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, oh man, I don't know. They all feel like me a little bit. 
I gotta tell you, I, it's more like who I think I I could be if I like access that. Like when I played Binky in the Saint No Disco, she was such an a hole. Like she was a <laughs> user. Like I was the first time I played a villain in a long time, and it was really fun. And I felt like yeah. it was almost too comfortable. I was like, oh god, am I actually closer to this person than I really want to admit? But it was fun. Like the cool version of me, you know, with all the you know, and then eventually she has all the plastic surgery. Yeah. The rivers, but anyway, that was. Uh, I don't think she's like me, but I guess I imagine myself at my coolest being like the best version of her earlier on in the show. <laughs> but I don't think That's it's great. true. No, I love that. <laughs> I think I'm really Carol. <laughs> um, finally, what is the last show you saw before the shutdown? Oh, the last show I saw, well, Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, um, so nice. I was at the opening night for that, so I think that that was it. Awesome. Yeah, that was pretty, yeah. that was right at the end there. So you, you made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like I, you know, like we were talking about before, the, the mm-hmm. online uh, things that people are doing are very inspiring. So, you know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've been able to witness some pretty cool stuff and I've been part of some really cool readings and, you know, pilots for TV shows and stuff. I just think the way people have been making it happen is just another example mm-hmm. of how theater will never die. You can never put us down. You can never break us. We will keep rising. (laughs) Um, Something that we end off all of our episodes on is our obsession of the week. So it is time for our obsession of this week. There is an album that's been put out. It's called Losing My Mind, A Sondheim Disco Fever Dream. And it is Sondheim songs in disco songs. Do you know it, Shalina? No, but I'm immediately putting it in my phone. (laughs) It's so much fun. Even just the opening number, it's opening doors, but it's a lot of different opening numbers from Sondheim and they're mashed up. But they're to disco beats. They are so much fun. And I thought of it for this episode because they do this kind of 80s pop version of Color and Light from Sending the Park with George. And it's just this like dance remix and it makes me want to dance. I found this on TikTok, which you know <laughs> but it is such a fantastic fun album and you get to hear all these amazing Sondheim melodies and lyrics and then you're also dancing so it's a really fun fun album so my obsession is the song color and light from um the Sondheim disco fever album it is so 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 much fun blue 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 still sitting red that perfume blue all night blue green the window shut that 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 sitting that that waiting that that getting fat 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 more yellow that that waiting to go out 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 but no 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 short finish the hat finish the hat have to finish the hat first hat 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 hot 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 it's hot in here Shalina, you gotta download it. You have to download it. Similar to you, Steph, um, Playbill puts out articles, I think it's like every couple months of these are the cast recordings that you should listen to this week. So mm-hmm. I have found that and I recently discovered the Perfect Fit musical, which okay. is written by a 13-year-old. His name is oh Josh Turchin. And he wrote this entire musical because he was afraid growing up in theater that he would end up in the dead zone where it's kids are too young to play adults or they're too old to play children. So he wanted to write a musical that was for teenagers, which is (laughs) super cool. Um, It's a six song EP and he is featured on a few of the songs, but my favorite song is the Tonys are my Super Bowl, which he sings. (laughs) And it's about, I feel that way, (laughs) basically a little boy talking about how much he loves theater and not fitting in with some of the kids that he goes to school with because, you know, boys are supposed to like sports, but he likes the arts. And it's just a really sweet song. And I think that his message is really important for kids to hear that, 
you can do whatever you want to do and it really doesn't matter. And to hear that from a teenager and not an adult is something that kids should be hearing. So the Tonys are my Super Bowl from the Perfect Fit musical is what I'm obsessed with this week. They call me a fairy, a schmuck, a geek. I write, I do theater, but it's not okay. I'm a normal human being, but what do they say? If you don't do sports, you're not a boy, you're a freak. But they would never let me speak. I'll never fit in. I paid the price for being me. But the punch is rolling. I know they'll never see. I have no idea. What are you obsessed with this week? I have boring, boring answers <laughs> because I've been super like busy and with my kid a lot. So I will tell you that, you know, he and I, my uh-huh. child and I have been listening to, I've been introducing him to some 80s wonders. So like Pop Goes the World, we've been listening to on repeat. We've also been listening to the Beach Boys nonstop Amazing. on repeat. And he loves the Beatles and all these things. But the thing that I have been trying to get back to, and it's so funny, again, I'm super like literally 20 years late to the game, is Survivor. I've never seen it until now, until COVID. And so I was like, oh, people watch this. This is wild. So we made it through season 20, I think. And now we're back to season one. Now we're going like from season one. Wow. We're like literally watching. So that's that's been kind of fun. Shalina Survivor um, is my favorite show. It is what I watch every day. I, well, I see that why people are so good. And yes. season 20 is a great one to start with because it's like a fantastic season. It's for real. And <laughs> competitive. I was like, how is this? I, I, I keep imagining myself like, what would I do if I was in that? I case? know. Just, you always think you'd wow. be such a badass up there. And then you're, and then you're, and then you're like, actually, I'd maybe go out second. And you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, you I'm know? not sure that I'd be such a badass. Like I... You know, I have, I know, there's like certain parts where I know I would excel and other parts where I'd just be like, oh God, I would freeze up. What do I do? Yeah, you, know, yeah. you watch yeah. and you're like, I could do it. And then maybe like, I actually can't do it. <laughs> no, but also, I'd be like, how do I look in my bikini? Like, you know, like, like, I'm going to do my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my hair. My bandana. Yeah, so They're always like shushing their bandanas. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, well, before we go, where can people find you on social media? At Shalina Kennedy, so uh, Instagram at Shalina Kennedy. Um, Twitter, I'm not on Twitter too much, but I, it's mostly Instagram. And then my website, um, shalinakennedy.com or .ca, and Eclipse, of course, eclipsetheater.ca. Anything else you want to plug before we go? No, I think you did it. I mean, with that song, I mean, just thank you so much for your support around that of song course. because, of course, like it was this sort of like last minute, um, not last minute, but this um, thing that came out of you know knowing Andrew and having this opportunity to work with him and Vanessa together. So the fact that it all became this also this wonderful you know um effort for black lives matter and and for the company just felt really Mm -hmm. really cool so thank you for your support and please go check it out yes we will also tweet out the link for that section of your website to uh check out the song and to see all of the information there so if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow us at off to be way podcast that's with the number two on instagram as well and you can listen to our podcast anywhere podcasts are found apple itunes google Podcasts, spotify stitcher podbean and thank you so much for joining us today. It really was such a treat to get to talk to you. And so we're so excited to follow your career as it continues to go on. Oh, thank you so much. You've been wonderful. Thanks for asking me to do this. It was a pleasure. 